Hello, this is Mark Brown for Beyond the Room at the 2018 Conference on Transdiagnostic Approaches to Mental Health Challenges, and I'm here with Sarah Morris, um, who's just given a really interesting presentation today. Sarah, for the people at home, could you just give us a bit of an idea of what you were talking about today? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. So I had given um, sort of a general overview to NIMH's RDOC initiative and a brief rationale and um, some updates about the grants that we're funding under the RDOC initiative and also some interesting recent findings that um, point to the utility of transdiagnostic integrative approaches to psychiatry research. So that's kind of been quite, that's sort of been quite a change for sort of research in the US isn't it? So research in the US around sort of mental health. Can you just give me a bit of a background to that? Sure, yeah, so absolutely. Um, so the RDOC initiative comes out of the realization about 10 years ago that um, that the research that NIMH was funding was being um, perhaps overly constrained by existing diagnostic um, systems. And that although those systems are very useful for um, clinical purposes, and especially at least in the US for insurance billing and things like that, um, there was no need for the science to be constrained by those. And um, as the, the neuroscience and genetics um, advanced, we were thinking that there should be more examination of alternative ways to classify patients. So it's kind of looking at, rather than looking at symptoms, it's looking at kind of underlying processes and underlying elements. Could you explain a little bit about, more about that? Yeah, sure. So. Um, the, the goal is to move away from um, heterogeneous clusterings of symptoms um, like we have in our current diagnose, diag diagnoses um, and to put different ways of um, studying behavioral neuroscience on an equal footing so that um, self-report doesn't necessarily need to be the gold standard to be explained but that um, we might look at signals in brain circuits and genetics and behavior um, and how they converge and inform each other. So you're kind of talking about there was maybe a bit of a change in emphasis in the way you were approaching that um, due to a kind of change at the top as far as I understand. Um, could you explain a little bit more about that for the people at home? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was certainly a change from the top because um, I think that NIMH felt like um, they needed to make it clear that we welcomed um, those types of applications that took an alternative approach. Um, but also there was work being done at that time taking a transdiagnostic um, approach. So we certainly weren't the first, although it was quite a bit of a shakeup when, when we did um, announce the RDOC initiative. Um, I think it was misunderstood um, as an announcement of a new classification system when really it was a um, a new framework for supporting research and for uh, a framework for integrating new research findings across diagnoses. So why do you why do you think it is that people found it so hard to get their head around the fact that this isn't we're not suggesting that this is a change to how we diagnose anything it's a change to how we think about it how we look at it what is it that made it so hard for people to kind of 
make that jump. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think part of that was because of the timing um, with DSM-5 being published, and um, NIMH did take that opportunity to, to make it clear to the field that um, research grant applications to NIMH didn't need to abide by the DSM. Um, and, but I think that had the effect of equating the two in people's minds as, um, you know, there's DSM and there's RDOC as an alternative classification, and that really wasn't what it was meant to be. Uh, we hope that it will inform classification moving forward and hopefully um, result in more um, validated um, diagnoses that improve um, diagnosis and ultimately improve and, and make treatments more precise and effective. So what should people who experience mental health difficulty make of this change? Because in the UK we're looking, you know, this is, this is all, this is happening in the States, but what happens in the States generally tends to happen in the rest of the world. Like, how, how should we make sense of this? Is it someone going to come and tell us that our condition doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> Right, yeah, and, and that's certainly the risk that um, our doc could be interpreted as saying schizophrenia doesn't exist or a major depressive disorder doesn't exist. And, and of course, we recognize that they do. Um, and those diagnoses in, emerge from very real um, human experiences and very real clinical observations of those experiences. Um, so we're definitely not saying that those diagnoses and those conditions don't exist only that um, the breakthroughs in terms of treating them have been have not lived up to the advances in the science that we've seen um, in related areas and so we're hoping to bring those advances together with cl- new classification approaches so that um, there's less trial and error treatment when somebody is first diagnosed they don't have to suffer through um, a dangerous period of ineffective treatment in the first six months or years or a year after being diagnosed, um, that we could improve the ability to match patients to the correct treatment early on. And you kind of implied that there's a bit of a shift in the stuff you were looking at funding that was more about kind of massive data science rather than other stuff. Could you explain a little bit about that shift? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And um, that comes um, from a specific interest from our new NIMH director, Josh Gordon, um, who has really um, advanced or, or promoted use of computational neuroscience, computational psychiatry, as a way of um, doing a real bottom-up approach to um, collecting a lot of data and sort of letting computational tools sort out um, what's there. So just just for people at home, can you kind of define what computational psychiatry is? Because I've seen some of the equations written down and they didn't make much sense to me, if I'm honest. <laughs> so can you, it, what, what is computational psychiatry? Yeah, sure. So I think there are um, a couple different ways that computational approaches are used. The one that I'm most familiar, most comfortable defining um, is simply trying to um, develop mathematical um, equations that will capture the behavioral and neural processes that we study. So for example, um, we, we know we have a lot of existing research on what happens in the brain in response to reward and how learning um, and reward size and frequency relate to um, uh, 
future behavior. And so we're able to, I'm not able, other people are able to develop equations with different parameters related to reward size, learning rate, um, frequency of reward, and different parameters that can be then mathematically modeled so that you can um, do sort of quasi-empirical work without having to collect so much data, um, you can model out different parameters and expand the, the range of the research without having to collect that much data from individuals. So they're kind of, they're kind of if this then that kind of models, aren't they? If these things are here, then this is what's likely to be happening. Is that yeah. about right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you can um, modify individual parameters and predict what you think would happen and then let the model inform the next step of the data collection to test it out in a, an iterative process. So the computational work informs the lab-based or empirical work and vice versa. Really interesting. So do people ask you all the time, so what does this mean in practice every day? Like how, how far away are the um, are the implications of what you're doing from actually changing people's lives now? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's not it's kind of not worthwhile if it doesn't improve people's lives and, and treatment. Um, and that really, although I think it's easy to get lost in the um, fancy neuroscience, um, uh, truly the ultimate goal is to improve treatment and, and to save lives, literally. Um, so I would say RDoc is a long-term project. It's not, you know, by the end of the year or next year, we're not going to have um, a definitive uh, findings, maybe that impact practice, but we can see where that is coming from. Um, and we're always keeping our eyes on, on that prize. But for now, um, you know, a, a, any individual who walks into a clinic for care should not expect to get an RDoc diagnosis. Um, we're not there yet. Brilliant, thank you very, very much for that.